0: Friends, so John 15. What we're looking at today. The setting. So the room has been heavy with the thought of death. So days earlier, the whole situation with Lazarus, and Jesus is going up to Bethany to raise Lazarus. I don't know that, but that's what he's doing. And they're like, "You crazy? They're going. They're going to kill you there." And Thomas says, "Let's go with him and die with him." And then they get to Bethany, and there, Mary anoints Jesus. And Jesus says, She did this for my burial. It was death, death. And now here they are in, well, they have been in the upper room. And Jesus has said that someone's going to betray him. And Peter says, I will die with you, Jesus. Death is in the air, and it's really intense. And now now they're leaving the room, they're walking toward the Garden of Gethsemane, and these are Jesus' last words to speak to his friends before he dies. It's so dark, right? But my prayer this morning is that these words will encourage us, encourage us deeply. Let me pray. Loving Father, we long to be encouraged. We need to be encouraged. Please do that this morning through your word. Holy Spirit, help us to see our Lord Jesus and understand something of his sacrificial love for us deeper today and that it will stir our hearts in ways we couldn't imagine. In Jesus' name, amen. John 15, 12. This is my commandment, Jesus says, that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. For his friends. 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 He said friends. Friends. In Romans, the Apostle Paul says that we were still sinners when Christ died for us. In Colossians 1.12, it says we were enemies of Christ, but reconciled through his death. But here, here Jesus uses the word friend. Well, he is. He's talking to his friends, right? His closest companions. They are his friends. But he didn't just lay down his life for them. He laid down his life for us. The friend of sinners. That's extraordinary that he would call himself that. That he would love us like that. We're not deserving of his sacrifice, we know that. There's no way we're deserving of being called his friends. That he would use the word friend there. But he did. Jesus' death, which was coming... Hours after that moment, his death was a death for his, he died for his friends. It was an intimate expression of his love. But Jesus knew it was more than just for them that he was dying. He was dying for us. He was dying for a whole world that didn't know him yet. And that is an infinite expression of his love. And we benefit from contemplating both aspects that Jesus' death is an intimate expression of his his love for you, intimately, friends. And it's an infinite expression of his love for you, something we could never get our heads around, but he gave us this word friend that our heart is drawn to that intimate expression. And then the call from Jesus is that his followers would love one another as he loves, laying down their lives for their friends. If a friend dies, right, that changes your relationship with them forever, mainly because they're dead. But but imagine like a close friend lays down their life for you. They put their life on the line for you. They throw themselves in front of the bus and push you out of the way and save your life, right? Right? And then somehow they survive it as well. That shifts your relationship with that person forever. (laughs) But that's an instinctive move. Someone, Someone just jumping out and pushing you out of the way of the bus. Maybe we would do that. But what if the rescue wasn't so hurried? What if it was something they had to consider deeply? Imagine you're stuck in a cave. Deep, deep in a cave that is flooding, and this friend chooses to scuba dive all the way in the dark, cabin after cabin, to find you and to carry you out. Not instinctive, not at all, like a clear choice on their part to lay down their life for you because they love you. Your friendship would be so much deeper after that, right? every part of your life from that moment on would be interwoven with theirs. Because every breath you take is only possible because of what they did for you. That every heart-burstingly sweet moment that you enjoy with the people you love is because they did that for you. Everything in your life is because of that person now. Do you know what your life would look like? Gratitude. Just pure gratitude for that person. How could you repay them? What could you do? Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. Because here was someone, capital S, someone who did not just lay down his life for you. Jesus Christ gave his life for you and he didn't merely Die for you. He took all our soul crippling sin, all my soul crippling sin, and he died with it. He took the legal debt of our sin. This has been one of my favorite verses in ministry in this church. Colossians 2, he took the legal debt of my sin and he nailed it to the cross. He didn't just die, he did something magnificent in that moment. And he took the full cup of God's wrath against me and he drank it dry. None left. He didn't just lay down his life. He drank the cup of God's wrath. He bore our sins. He suffered immensely, incomprehensibly. And he chose to do it. If you believe in Jesus' name, this is the gospel. If you believe in Jesus' name, that soul-crippling sin (laughs) which breaks us, which kills us, has no claim on your soul anymore. Your debts are paid. You have nothing hanging over your relationship with God, nothing getting in your way. God's wrath on you is spent and then God's love can flood in. Jesus Christ didn't just save your life. Jesus Christ gave you a new life. And so all who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It's amazing, right? That's only half the story. Jesus didn't stay dead. Jesus didn't stay dead, right? He laid down his life completely, agonizingly, perfectly. And then the Holy Spirit of God raised him to life again. So this relationship with us, like what he did on the cross changes us forever, right? But he's not dead. He's alive again. And so the relationship is a living relationship. We have all these spiritual blessings not because of a dead friend. We have them because of a living Savior. That friend is not dead. He's alive and he's present. And you know what? He is still cheering you on at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Cheering you on. That good? That is the gospel. That is what we proclaim. The heart and the center of Everything. Think of the gratitude you would have for your cave diving friend, right? How their act transforms every moment of your life and brings deeper meaning to everything that you do and everything you experience and everyone you're near. Now I'm asking you to do the heart work of transferring that gratitude and magnifying it so that that gratitude starts to try to almost nearly begin to fit in the gratitude we should feel over what Jesus Christ has done for us. Laying down his life for us. That every breath of the spirit that you take now is because of Jesus Christ. That every heart-burstingly sweet moment of communion with God that you have that you enjoy now is because of Jesus Christ. That everything in your life now becomes an act of gratitude towards Jesus Christ. This is how we know what to do with the love of Jesus. John talks about it later in his first letter, 1 John 3:16. It's another good John 3:16. By this we know that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. And sisters, Jesus said, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus' death, he says, as I've loved you. It's an example of sacrificial love. But it's not just an example of sacrificial love. It is the means by which we are able to show sacrificial love to each other. Because of the work of the cross... And what he did there, killing off all our sin and taking the wrath. We don't need to hold on to the sin or to the wrath. And instead, filled with the Holy Spirit, we can take up our crosses and love sacrificially. Deny ourselves and lay down our lives for each other. And lay down our swords. Because he has loved us so completely. We have every spiritual blessing. And we don't need to hold so tight to ourselves. Because Jesus Christ invites us into this sacred space of sacrificial love. And love that doesn't consider our needs, but is captivated by the sacrificial love of Christ. He invites us into this space where we can move towards others with nothing to lose. Nothing to lose, people. And everything to gain. Sacrificial love is a scary thing. And as a pastor... I need to recognize that, and I need to recognize that there will be people in this room that might be hearing it wrong, because we live in a broken world, and I want to speak really gently now about abusive relationships, and I know that affects people. Statistically, people are living in abusive marriages in the church, outside the church, And when they hear this talk of sacrificial love and bearing your cross and laying your life down, it really is dangerous the way they're hearing it. So I want to speak to those people right now. And I know it's painful. But I need to say, please take care if you are in an abusive relationship. You're possibly in an abusive relationship if you're fearful of the other person. Or people. If you're fearful of their actions and their reactions. Or if you feel coerced or manipulated. Or like your words are used against you. Intimidated. Controlled. It's not all physical stuff. Controlled. Or belittled. And an enormous red flag is if there is no compassion there. To love as Christ has loved us looks different in that situation. Sorry, I can't hear at the back? All right. I'm doing the best I can here. I always drift a bit. I'm sorry. To love as Christ has loved us looks different in this situation. Because if you're hearing that we ought to lay down our lives for our friends like Christ did and you're in an abusive relationship, then... You're hearing it as a call to stay in that abusive relationship and just bear your cross and let the abuser carry on because that's what it sounds like to lay down your life but that is not it. Please consider this. By staying in an abusive relationship a person is staying in a breeding ground for sin because the abusive person can just continue to sin and here's the the tragedy is they might even not They might not even recognize that they are sinning. And the abused person is more hurt and broken and more vulnerable to sin. The sins of anger and bitterness and resentment. And it's not just the people in the relationship, it's the people around the relationship. The children, the families and the friends may also be vulnerable to sin because of that abusive relationship. And here's the other thing that happens. Before, before and after Jesus says these words to us, he says that if we love like him, we will bear much fruit. And it's, it's hard to bear fruit in an abusive context. And I'm carefully, soberly saying, in this situation, sacrificial love might look like removing yourself from the situation. You're going to need to consider that really carefully for your situation. And that is a highly complex and difficult and heartbreaking predicament, especially if you are married. You're going to need a lot of help. A lot of help. But there is help please act carefully please get help well, let's talk about sacrificial love now that we've clarified that what does sacrificial love look like in our context in our context you've always got to bring it back to our context and i've been <clears throat> the last few weeks as we've gone through this series on true worship in community and now into love one another. Um, sometimes it's it's felt like a bit of a hitting us around the head and come on, people, like true worship, you know you, you got it, right? Try it a bit harder, work a bit harder at this. Love one love one another. Maybe we need that, but right now I don't want to go there. <laughs> Instead of thinking about what should we do, I want to look at what has been done. What does sacrificial love look like in this community? And how have we already experienced it and been blessed by it and seen the blessing of it? That's where I'm going now, all right? So you can relax. What does sacrificial love look like in our context? It looks like our elders' I've been a pastor in this church and at Cedar College for nearly 12 years. And throughout that time, I have been stunned and humbled and sheltered and loved by the sacrificial love of our elders. Godly men who chose to take on the burdens of our church, of us. Godly men who were called by God, elected by us, and appointed to that office out of love. And they wrestled in prayer, taking it to the Lord in prayer every time. And they held each other accountable to a high level of integrity. They know what the Bible says about elders. And they soberly walked into it and held to that. These are all men of great integrity. And they have wept. And they have rejoiced over our church deep into the night. When we're all asleep. And they have called out to the Lord together. For him to guide them. As they have guided the church. And they have made many Difficult, heartbreaking decisions, and they have made many difficult, visionary decisions that have blessed us immensely. And they don't get much out of it. There is no financial comp- compensation for them for all those hours, all those hours. Just weighty burdens, lost sleep, difficult conversations, confrontations. And then their wives and their families have watched them stagger at times under the weight of us. And with their eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, unseen by us all, and fixed on his call to proclaim the good news and to love his church and leaning into his sacrificial love, our elders have done all of this just for the joy of serving him and for the love of us. And I've seen up close the toll that that takes on each of them. That's sacrificial love. So the question needs to be asked, has been asked, is begging to be asked and answered by everyone over the last few weeks. If they love us so sacrificially, how can they walk away from their station? How can that be anything like sacrificial love, right? Yeah. I know that walking away has been a great sacrifice for each of those men and their families. They would not be our elders if they didn't burn with compassion for this church. It has torn them each up to resign from their office. For them, stepping away, hear this, because they told us this. Stepping away was the safest way to protect this flock from a vicious fight. They, they have laid down their lives for the church for years and they did it again with this final act. What the elders and pastors resolved to do was highly unusual. It shocked us. But it was stunningly sacrificial and completely Loving. And we need to wrestle with that. We need to ask ourselves how godly men of great integrity that we know. How could they step away like that? What does it mean? When Jesus wept at Lazarus' tomb, the crowds exclaimed, see how he loved him. I've seen our elders and our pastors weep again and again for us. I know they're weeping this morning, and I know that they'll continue to weep for us. See how they loved us like Christ loved us. So, what does sacrificial love look like in our context? that's about the clearest example you can get. I said I wanted to be encouraging, right? Be encouraged with this next bit. Let's go back to the moment, to the context where Jesus is saying these words, right? This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends he says that to his apostles what is it going to look like for them to love each other sacrificially what good is going to come out of this flip a few pages you see it it's the acts of the apostles right as these godly men called by god to do this work love each other sacrificially and they make mistakes but they push on, and they keep loving God, led by the Spirit. And do you know what happens? The good news is proclaimed. Everywhere. Do you know what comes out of it? Much fruit. As they loved each other, the church flourished and the gospel spread. It started there in Jerusalem, then to Judea, then out to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? We track with it through Acts. I want us to track with it here. Think about the last decade of the life of this church. That's my experience of it. And so that's what I'm going to speak from. As our elders and members, as we have loved each other sacrificially, laying down our lives in service... (coughs) To the Lord Jesus Christ and to each other, people, there has been much fruit. The church has flourished and the gospel has spread. And I want us to focus on that now and celebrate it right now, starting in Jerusalem, our community, this community here, especially for me, Cedar College, right? It's been here longer than a decade But what I've seen in the last decade is hundreds and hundreds of young people, young souls hearing the gospel, and then seeing it lived out by a beautiful staff of people who trust in Jesus from churches all over Adelaide. These young people are seeing the gospel lived out, what sacrificial love looks like in the flesh. And many have turned to Jesus. Amen? Can I tell you something awesome? Yesterday, another Cedar kid became a Christian. Partly through the witness of Cedar College, through the faithful ministry of their family and grandparents, praying and praying and praying. Can I hear an amen? How good is that? Alpha courses here. Reach the lost. We we know people have come to Christ and been transformed through that here in Jerusalem. (laughs) The Chinese congregation. A few years back, we had mainly music. (laughs) It was a ministry to um, young parents, particularly mums with kids. It got flooded with Chinese families. And that planted a seed. We need to do something here in this community to reach out to the Chinese people in this community in Cedar college in Lightsview. And with prayer and the blessing of God, the Chinese congregation started and it's been proclaiming the gospel to people in a language we, we can't speak. Well, I can't speak. That's been beautiful. Throughout Judea, right? Let's move from Jerusalem to Judea. We expanded beyond our suburb. We planted West and then Marion, enabling gospel proclamation and ministry in communities that are never going to come to Northgate. Sending out our own people. For those of you who were here at the time, you will remember that was big. And that was painful to send our people, the best of us. And it cost us dearly. People, that's sacrificial love. We've been part of it. Sacrificial love. Sacrificial love for our Lord Jesus Christ and and for the city of Adelaide and for the people who have come to Christ there that we didn't even know about, who have become our brothers and sisters in Christ And and here's the other thing, with that massive sacrificial act of love that we did in planting that church, (laughs) called by God to do it, and seeing his blessing and seeing the fruit, right? Is it opened the doors here for much more ministry, for much more fruit. And we've seen more people come here and fill the spaces and bless us with their ministry. Sacrificial love, bearing much fruit, we've seen it. We've seen it. To Samaria, planting a church in Canberra, and then to the ends of the earth, I want to focus on this. Reach 10. I mean, there's our missionaries that we already support, but it went further than that. Reach 10. Planting a church in Poland. And it happened right on the cusp of COVID. And God opened the doors for Charlie to go there like Dodging airport shutdowns the whole way from Adelaide to Poland. I don't know if you've met Charlie, but that man just oozes Jesus. (laughs) And now we have sent him with our blessing and with support and prayer. And that man is oozing Jesus in Poland. And there is a church there. From what I hear, it's thriving. And we were a part of that. Amen. Serge, did your heart not burn within you when you heard of that? 50,000 broken, searching Russian people, and then another 75,000 in Bangkok needing the gospel. And we can partner with them, with Pastor Valeri and with Serge, to see God do something there. Right, well beyond our walls to the ends of the earth. And I urge you to speak with Serge and see what you can do to support that ministry. That's amazing. Amazing. $30,000? What even is that? What would come out of that? How many assets do we have here? I go on. Think of how we as a church have ministered to whole networks of pastors in Nepal. We met one, but there's many more. And they don't have the resources or the assets or the comfort that we have here, nothing like it. And yet, Jesus Christ has allowed us to be able to love them to urge them on in places that we will never see. We will never see. (laughs) so much fruit and all of this happens through faithful stewardship of the incredible resources and people that God has blessed us with we are never going to get our heads around the impact of all of that this side of heaven wonder at that do you wonder at that rejoice at that do you rejoice at that that the gospel has gone out, that the sacrificial love of Jesus has been displayed here, expressed here, felt here. And it's been proclaimed to the world. And that Christ's church has been strengthened throughout our city and the world. Through sacrificial love. We need to lean into the sacrificial love of Christ. Jesus Christ, He is the prime example of sacrificial love. And He is the means for us to love sacrificially. Because His love transforms us and it fills us with gratitude and compassion. And his love, when we let it, is heartburstingly beautiful. It compels us to do beautiful things, to build up and not tear down, to trust and not grip hold. To reach out to a broken world with his compassion and his love. To love as Jesus Christ has loved us and to bear much fruit. So we need to consider deeply how sacrificial love will look for us now, today, this week, for each one of us, and for this church. God bless this church as he has. Let me pray. Almighty Father, we are stunned and humbled by the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ for us at the cross and beyond. And it staggers us to even begin to think of the impact of that on us. And stunned and humbled that you would call us to love the same way. Stunned and humbled to see how you have done that already. And our hearts yearn for you to continue to do that in us today, in this church today, in this church this week and beyond, and in your world. We long to see the Lord Jesus Christ glorified in our hearts, in our relationships, in our church, and in our world. In Jesus' name, amen we